Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Nine State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marchalina, and joining me again is Derryfield AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing? Joe, we made it, man. I'm tired, but we made it to the finish line. Another year in the books. I know. it's uh, It feels weird uh, these last couple days just, um, you know, hanging around the house at night. Um, I think my wife is getting tired of me being around already, uh, so I'm going to have to come up with some hobbies here. Uh, so, so we, I have not <laughs> had that problem, Joe. I was right back in. We had tomahawk practice last night, so oh boy. I have not. Uh, I've not allowed myself to uh, to uh, to get bored yet. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great spring, man. A lot of fun, good championship games. I'm excited to uh, to recap them with yeah. you. Uh, as always, you can send questions and feedback to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at nhhsports. And uh, you listen to the show Thursday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com. But since we are coming down to the end, you'll have this show. And then one more show next week where we will uh, we will wrap up the season as a whole. Um, kind of maybe tie up some loose ends and maybe some things we didn't get to uh, during the year that we'd, we'd, uh, are, are a little bit important that we need to talk about. And we'll also take a quick look ahead to, uh, to 2023. Uh, never too early to start uh, talking about next year. Um, at least that's how I feel. So why not? <laughs> uh, all right. So before we get started, though, let's take a moment to tell you about our sponsors. The presenting sponsor of the Night State Sports Show is Roger Howe of the Bean Group. Are you thinking of selling your home? Now may be the time. Just like the weather, the market is hot and interest rates remain at all-time lows. It's time to call Roger Howe, a licensed professional realtor with the Bean Group. Not sure what your home is worth? Roger will provide a market analysis for you at no charge. With 12 years of experience in residential, commercial, leasing, and investment properties, Roger knows your local market. Contact Roger Howe of the Bean Group at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger at rhowrealestate.com. The Ninth State Sports Show is also proudly sponsored by Prolax Customs. Located in Bedford, Prolax Customs wants to make your stick as unique as the way you play the game. It is the place to go in southern New Hampshire for custom-dyed lacrosse heads or guys. If you need a stick stringing as you head into the summer, you need to contact Joe. To learn more, visit them online at prolaxcustoms.com, and you can find them on Facebook and Instagram, or email prolaxlacrosse at gmail.com. All right, well, as you uh, as you said, Coach, uh, we have made it. Uh, as, as hard as it may be, uh, seem I, I still feel like this season was a bit of a whirlwind, um, but we made it through to the uh, to the off season. Um, you know, but uh, now that we've had a couple days, I want to you know we're going to go back. We're going to look at Sunday's games, kind of hash over some things maybe that uh, that that we didn't you know think about right away. Um, but before we do that, though, I think we we or you might have briefly mentioned it the last time we talked. Uh, we need to go over some of my uh, my playoff predictions because uh, because I we got to give you your credit. Yeah, Joe. I need a, I need a moment. I need a moment to pat myself on the back here. Um, <laughs> as much uh, as much change and and turmoil that we had during the regular season, your picks held up pretty well. I kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, su- surprisingly. You, did you, well. As you're pulling, as you're pulling those up right now, did you doubt yourself at all during the season? Like, did you have moments where you thought, "Ugh, maybe my picks aren't going to hold up as well as I thought"? Um, no, because I really, actually, I, you know, I, I picked them and I forgot about them, uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's one of those things that I, I kind of, I didn't even think of going back to look at them honestly until after the playoffs had started. Um, 
and of course this would be the we're, we're gonna I'm gonna be flying a little blind here for a moment because of course my my uh, my computer decided to uh, restart right at this exact moment. <laughs> so uh, what what I can tell you to start off with here was on the boy side. So so we're gonna we're gonna look at this in two ways because if if you remember correctly, I did preseason predictions, and then I also did. Uh, with last year's look ahead or, or too early look ahead to 2022, I made some playoff predictions there too, just on teams that would be in the playoffs, not champions or anything like that. I don't want to get too ahead of myself uh, there. I don't um, know, Joe. That sounds like you filled out two March Madness brackets. I don't know <laughs> if we can allow that. I, I mean, yeah. Well, well, the the similarities between them, I think, are are, are a little. Uh, it would be like filling out a March Madness bracket in November, and then filling right, one out we'll in March. Yeah. Well, so for preseason predictions on the boys' side, I got uh, 28 out of 32 playoff teams uh, across all three divisions. The teams that I missed, and, and does that uh, do some of those misses count because you didn't you didn't know that some teams weren't going to be weren't going to be involved, and you had too many teams in the tournament? No, I so so this well this was preseason, so I knew we knew preseason okay. how many were going to be in. It was it was going back to 2021 20, uh, that I, I missed on a couple because we had um, some late changes there. Um, but if you look at so for for the boys in D one, I uh, I missed one team. I had Salem in instead of Sauhegan. Uh D two, I I had Kingswood and Merrimack Valley in instead of Alvern and uh, Memorial Central. And then in D three, I had uh, Bishop Brady in instead of Guilford. So those were the four teams uh, I goofed on. Apologies to those who who made it uh, that I didn't pick. So. You proved me wrong. Uh, you might have fueled. You might have fueled, fueled them. them there we there. go. Yeah. Uh, so then I, the other predictions I made were, were final fours. So I got 10 out of 12 final four teams right in the preseason. Uh, the two that I missed on in Division One, I, I had Nashua South and Londonderry made it. And then in Division Three, I had Trinity and Hopkinton made it. And uh, not, not quite as good on the championship games. I had the, the Division Three championship game completely wrong. Uh, I had Campbell over Plymouth. It was Laconia over Hopkinton. Could have happened. Actually, could have happened exactly that way, but it, it went reverse on me. Uh, I did have Portsmouth over Derryfield for D2. And then in D1, I had BG beating Pinkerton, uh, not Exeter. BG beat Pinkerton around earlier, obviously, so that was the, uh, the difference there. And then uh, on the girls' side, uh, 21 out of 24 playoff teams. Uh, over there. So the ones I missed, uh, Division One uh, had Concord in instead of Dover. Division Two, I had Timberlane in instead of Pembroke. And Division Three, I had Kearsarge in instead of Guilford. So again, gave gave those teams uh, seems a little fuel to uh, to get uh, to the playoffs. Uh, I did the same on the Final Fours. Uh, Ten out of twelve. Uh, the two I missed were uh, in D One. I had Londonderry instead of Sauhegan, and then in D Three, I had Pelham instead of Guilford. Uh, much better on the championship games, though. Five out of six, I had the D1 and D3 uh, matchups and winners spot on. And the only one I missed was I had Portsmouth beating Wyndham in the D2 final instead of Hollis Brookline. So what, whatever that means to you, you can take that however you like. Uh, it's a pretty solid. <laughs> that's a pretty solid track record right there. So. So you know, you you sometimes at the beginning of the year, I think maybe people look at uh, look at some things that I write, and maybe they go, "Wow, that Joe, he's he just doesn't know what he's talking about," and I am here with the receipts to say otherwise, I guess. 
Uh, well, don't worry. You'll have your. I, I'm sure you're putting out your uh, your Allstate your own. Allstate oh yes. Soon, so you'll have plenty. Of, yes. You'll get plenty of feedback from that soon. I'm those, sure. Yes, so. those will be coming out next week. Um, I think I'll, they'll be putting them up after. I'll be putting them up after we do the podcast. So. I'm uh, hearing a rumor. I'm hearing a rumor too that there might be the first ever uh, all freshman team there, coming out you, too. Is that a possibility? Heard, uh, you heard correctly there. I am going to do a uh, an all freshman team this year. All uh, right. I'm pretty excited about that. That's. Uh, you know, just just looking at the number of freshmen this year that were contributors on both the boys and the girls side, uh, I f- kind of feel it, like it was uh, it's a fair thing to do. Um, it was pretty impressive. I mean, I think it, it speaks well for the, the future of a lot of teams out here, too, that we had that many freshmen making impacts. Right. Um, it really all divisions kind of this year. The one thing I may have to tweak, though, is uh, it, it, I'm finding it kind of hard to find uh, freshman defensive players. Uh, so I may have to throw in an extra midfielder or an extra goalie or something uh, on some of these oh, teams. So you're so, already you're already adding you're already adding. People are going to complain. Well, they're going to do that one way or the other. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So are you ready to jump into these games? Yeah, let's do it. All right, and uh, I have n- no idea what's up with my uh, computer here. So we're gonna we're gonna just go right off my memory here. And my notes. Well, we were gonna we were gonna start talking about the Division Three. Yes, we're gonna start with Division Three. Go chronologically from uh, from the way the games are played on Sunday. By um, now, uh, you know everyone knows Laconia. Laconia uh, beat Hopkinson 12 10. Um, you know, you look at that score, and you might think, you know, this was a, a back and forth game throughout. I pulled into the parking lot, and it was uh, I saw I saw a score of three to eight up on the scoreboard. I was like, oh. And then all of a sudden, I saw within a matter of, I want to say two minutes, as I got out of my car and walked over there, I saw three goals rattled off. And this game suddenly went from a blowout to uh, to a hotly contested game really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was early on, it was back and forth. Um, you know, and then as the teams got into the second quarter, uh, Hopkinton just struggled with a lot of things. You know, Coach uh, Deacon Blue had said that um, – you know, a, a big part of their game is just going out there and having fun. And he thought that his guys maybe let the moment get to them a little too much in that second corner and they stopped having fun. Um, you know, they turned the ball over a lot. They didn't have it much on offense um, at that point. And it kind of turned on a, on a weird kind of play, like a, a weird situation. Laconia had gone up 4-3 uh, early in the quarter. Hopkinton got the ball back. And um, they had too many guys on on offense. They had a seven seven guys on offense, and Coach Blue called a time, saw it right away, called a timeout. And I guess as they were coming off the field, the the official, the the extra official that's on the sideline for the uh, semis and championship games, I think he might have saw that too. So they gave. Uh, so then Hopkinson turned the ball over on that, and that seemed to be a kind of a weird swing for them. Um, and then things kind of started going the other way. They got a man up right after that, Hopkinton did, uh, for Laconia being offsides, actually. But then they turned it over, and Laconia went down and scored a man-down goal to go up 5-3. So it was just a, a really rough second quarter. Um, but I, I wouldn't say at 8-3 at halftime did I feel like, okay, this game's headed for a blowout. It felt like, okay, Hopkinton's going to be poised now to, to make a comeback, and that's exactly what happened. Well, you were pretty uh, prophetic there. They they did. Um, I I gotta tell you, what I took away from watching the second half was I was really impressed with. 
I mean, you could feel, we talked about it throughout the podcast this year. Sometimes you can just feel momentum. Like you can, you can see it and you can feel it in the air. It, it really felt like Hopkinson was going to steamroll the second half. And I was really impressed with how uh, calm and poised the Laconia kids stayed. And they were able to, they were able to get swing things back again uh, onto their, onto their side. Um, you know, they had, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Roy who had, who had a goal to stop a run to keep them up by two or three. And I felt like yeah. that was a big turning point in the, in the third quarter um, where, you know, Hoppington had pulled within one or two and then it just, it, it felt like that's kind of stabilized things there. Did you get, did you get that feeling too? It, it did. And that was another interesting stretch too. Um, Cause you had Hopkins that was right after Hopkington had gone on that three Oh run to start the half to make right. it eight, six Laconia takes a timeout. Um, you know, Hopkinton wins the face off and, but they turn it over. And this was, I don't know if you saw this, but this was kind of a weird sequence too. You know, first, um, the officials threw a flag on, on Aiden Burns for a, a push, uh, with possession. Uh, and with that flag down, it led to kind of a clean break for Laconia and a one-on-one with, uh, with goalie, um, uh, Eli, I'm, I'm blanking on his last name for a second there. If you could help me out. Standard. Thank you. Um, who's a very big guy and I don't remember who it was on Laconia who had the ball who's not as much of a big guy and uh Standifer just came out and kind of he hit him um but yeah. as a big guy hitting a smaller guy it's gonna look worse than it is so they called him for they threw another flag for an unnecessary roughness so Laconia goes not only goes down to uh but they bring in the backup goalie straight off the bench and that was that was the goal that Roy scored, uh, two men up to make it nine six. Um, so a really an unfortunate break for Hopkinton there. But they, I mean, they stuck with it. They came back, answered yep. to make it nine seven, got another goal to make it nine eight. But then Laconia came right back to go up ten. It was like every time Hopkinton looked like it was about to get over that that hill, Laconia would come right back and score. Um, and and they and Hopkinton had the ball. It felt like for most of that fourth quarter, they just, you know, they had a couple of open looks on on empty nets and just put the ball over the goal a couple times um you know a little bit of of, uh you know maybe guys trying to go one on four and and try to do it all themselves um in moments just I, i think just out of frustration um you know but but they i mean they battled and they stayed in it and that was i i gotta say i thought that was probably the best game of the three um just because it came down to those final moments yeah, you touched on a couple things there. I thought uh, um, Cam Harriman for, for Laconia and Net uh, came up huge at times there. He really came out and challenged some of the shooters. Um, there were a couple times where I wouldn't call them breakaways, but sort of like, you know, odd man situations where uh, kids like Quinn Whitehead, had been, you know, kind of had an open look at the cage and he came out and was caught him by surprise. And like you said, just caused him to shoot just over the top of the net, you know, um, I, Ryan Brown had a couple looks, Quinn Whitehead, uh, Aiden Burns, you know, guys that, um, you know, they just, you would normally rely on to put the ball in the back of the net, just kind of missed just a little bit. Um, and I think it was because, you know, Cam, Cam was so athletic and came out and challenged him like that. Yeah. He played a great game. Um, uh, Edgar Conroy played a great game defensively. I thought for Laconia, um, he really it- did. I mean, he 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 stood out to me too as a as a guy that that really kind of changed the pace of the game and and um, you know kind of kept some of some of the, some of the Hopkinson scorers at bay a little bit. And then um, I'm blanking on his first name, but uh, Whitney as well for for Laconia. He had a he had some plays in the first half where he was he looked like a defensive back 
uh, playing out there, just jumping pa- like jumping into passing lanes and picking off pass cleanly, picking off passes and going the other way. Uh, Zach, Zach Whitney. Zach Whitney. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, I, I thought he had a great game too, uh, you know. And then, and you know, the guys you did mention, you know, Whitehead had a goal with about six and a half minutes left that made it eleven nine, uh, and then uh, Burns scored with just under three minutes left to get it to eleven to ten, and then it was just kind of, you, you could tell that that I think both teams were were you know getting a little tired, um, you know, just having uh, in that moment. I mean, that's a big pressure filled moment. Because they kind of threw the ball back a little bit there, back and forth a little bit there, uh, until um, till Harriman made a nice play coming out out to get a, a you know ground ball, and at that point, you know, Coach uh, Steve McDonough had said their game plan was anything that you get, just throw it down to the other end of the field, you know, make yeah. make Hopkinton go chase it, and you know, or hopefully you we get it and score a goal, and that's what happened was, you know, he he scooped up a ground ball, Harriman tossed it, you know, to the other end of the field. Um, Put a little air under it. Yeah, yep. and uh, and Laconia was able to get a goal there uh, to to make it twelve ten, and that really, I mean, I was under a minute left. That kind of really sealed the deal for them, uh, yep. you know. And just uh, just kind of a, a a great run for Laconia too to get you know to get this championship first one since uh, since twenty sixteen. You know they um, they open up the playoffs with uh, probably the hottest team in the division outside of Campbell and uh, playing Lebanon there in that first round. Uh, they survived that game. I think that was a that might have been a one goal game. I think eleven ten was the final in that one, um, or maybe maybe twelve ten some something like that. Um, they go into the semifinals against Campbell. Uh, you know, a team that had been averaging I think about fourteen fifteen goals a game. They hold them to six, win that game seven six, uh, and then and then this one in the championship game, beating a team that they lost to uh, earlier in the year in Hopkinton. Yeah, I mean, Coach Steve did a great job. I mean, he he had these guys working, you know, since the summer doing doing skill sessions and, and summer workouts and different things. I mean, this was not a this was not a fluke run. I mean, they were very focused and and they put in the work in the uh, in the off season to get here, um, and and they challenged themselves throughout the season. They played all the best teams in the division, and uh, I think it played into their benefit. They were they were ready when uh, when it came to crunch time here in the playoffs. You know, and and for them, you know, it started. Uh, you know, you look at a lot of their scores, and they weren't they weren't always putting up a ton of goals, um, but they they were doing they were playing very well defensively. Um, you know, through the regular season, they allowed four point three goals against, uh, and then I mean, in the playoffs that number went up a little bit to five point one, um, but I mean that's still an incredible number, um, especially in some cases where you're probably thinking too that the you know you get to a point where it's uh you know in some of the the lower teams in the division you're you're putting in the uh the JV late, late in the game and maybe they're giving up a couple of those goals. Oh, they did they did an outstanding job. They played they played really well defensively and um you know they they like you said they didn't duck anyone in the playoffs here. They they earned their road to that championship. <laughs> they should be uh they should be really proud of of what they accomplished there. Yeah, so congratulations to to Coach McDonough, uh, Laconia, and and congratulations to Hopkinton too on on a, a, a great season. You know they were a team that we kind of I, I think going in we weren't too sure about just because of you know they'd lost a lot of the guys that had uh, been on those uh, three straight championship teams. I don't think anybody um, you know maybe maybe someone like Ryan Brown or, or Ethan Molner. Uh, were freshmen um, on the varsity when that when they won that last championship in 2019, 
you know, it's, it's kind of weird sometimes to think for for me to think about because that doesn't seem like all that long ago. It, it doesn't with COVID, like it's uh, yeah. uh, you know, without you know, we we're going to talk about D two in a second, but everybody was like, oh, it's the first time Derry Fields back in the championship since twenty nineteen. I'm like, yeah, we've only played one season since then. <laughs> like it's it's I, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, just, it's it, very weird. It's very weird to think that kids who were playing this year would have been freshmen in 2019 that's been that long yeah. like it, it just doesn't feel that long ago um it, it does not no i, I no. agree um so yeah it's uh, you know it is weird to think that you know as much success as hopkinson's had over over that period over that time period that there wouldn't have been that many kids that probably would have played meaningful minutes in their last championship you know yeah um so yeah great um, great job by them getting getting here and uh, i think both these teams you know they're they're definitely going to lose. They definitely lose some talented guys to to graduation. But you know, just given the track record of both programs, I you know I wouldn't be surprised to see them, maybe not in the in the championship game next year, uh, but but at least you know in contention for a Final Four spot. I, I've got to do. We've got to do some research before we do our our way too early Absolutely. look ahead oh, next yeah. Yeah. next week. But um, you know, I agree with you. I think every you know I'm, I don't know that there's a clear cut team going into next year in division three that you're like yeah that team's definitely the favorites going in kind of like you know we we all thought campbell which is with what they were returning last year we're going to be you know the, the clear-cut favorites it feels like all the good teams this year in division three are losing key parts you know and it's i i look at a team like hopkinson that you look at their roster and yeah they're losing some good seniors but they have so much depth underneath you know their town program is always good um, I, I would not be shocked to see them right back in the finals again next year. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, that's a, uh, that's, that's a conversation for, for next week. For so another time. we will, we will, uh, hold off on, on going any further with those thoughts. And instead we will, uh, we'll move on to the D- division two game. Uh, I will say that I, I want to add this since, since we're transitioning here, uh, I, I want to talk about the transition from game to game. Um, you know, Kudos to the NHIA and to Exeter for moving everything along. You know, everything started on time, as far as I could tell. You know, they were every they were... year. Un- unbelievable how that timing works. It really is. They they do an amazing job. Billy Ball at Exeter, uh, you know, ran a really tight ship there. Um, and and you know, they the clock started. The warm ups were going. They had the announcements. Everything was ready to go. Um, yeah, it 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 was a well it was a well oiled machine on uh, on sunday there 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 was there's one thing i'm gonna i'm gonna I, that was uh not you're gonna, it's, it's you're, not gonna, a, blow, you're gonna blow a, it up a little bit no it, I, I this is far from blowing it up this is just a, a personal thing and and i know there were a couple other media people uh that felt the same way uh but i understand why they were doing it but they started running the clock for the next games the start time for the next game like as they were handing out awards for the previous game so I'm standing there trying to get photos of uh, of Laconia celebrating, and I'm trying to gather my thoughts to ask questions and make sure you know this person doesn't run off or that. And I look up at the clock and I see 35 minutes. Like, oh crap, I got to get moving. Look up at the clock, you know, 33 minutes. Oh no, I'm, I'm running out of time here. I got to, you know, it just it was like, oh, I, you know, it just that extra. Shoot, I'm running out of time. I got to go. Uh, so that 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 was a little. Uh, you know what? Put a little, put a little write, pressure on me. If you, you write know? the NHIA letter, Joe, they yeah. will, uh, they'll, they'll take that into consideration to help you out next year. I, not, I not, doubt. I think they will. I don't think that would happen. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyways, on to the Division Two game. Of course, like you said, uh, your guys uh, from Dairyfield taking on Portsmouth. 
in what has become a, uh, a kind of a classic D2 matchup to us, uh, maybe not so much the kids, um, but, but you know, seeing this uh, championship game matchup third time in, what, probably the last six years? And then if you include... Let's see, 27, so 2017, 2018, yeah. uh, we took 2019 and 21 off, so three, five, so three three in the last six years. Yeah, and then last year you guys did play in the semifinals, though. Semifinals, so yeah, four, so, yeah, yeah. So yep. you've, you've, and now you've, you've ended each other's seasons, so to speak, uh, twice, uh, to be, I guess, if, when you look at it that way, uh, of course, sports, that is a good way. That is a good way to look at yeah, it. They, yeah. You guys got the first two, they got the last two sets up for a nice, uh, a it's nice a rivalry about, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's a rival, you know, sometimes rivalries are, are all about location and, and proximity. And sometimes it's about what happens in the postseason. And this is certainly, uh, that case. Uh, Portsmouth won that game on Sunday, sixteen to ten. Uh, and you know what? I, what I, you know, I go back and look at that game, and you know, through the first maybe quarter and a half, it it felt like uh, it it definitely was a very close game. Um, I don't know if what it felt like to you while you were watching it, um, but you know, I went back and look at faceoffs, and I think you know Portsmouth had an, the the edge on by one in the first half, if I got that correct. It uh, was, yeah, it was pretty, and even, um, it, it, it was, it was very close at halftime. And then, um, you know, they had a stretch in the third quarter where, where they went on a little bit of a run. Uh, they won some fa- they, they consistently won some faceoffs. I think the final in our book, uh, it, it appeared to be about 50, 50 at the end. My kid won about half. He, he, the other kid won about half. Um, but um, yeah, it was pretty close in the fir- in the first half. It was close in the first half, but I had, but then I think uh, Portsmouth's uh, Nick Smith kind of took over a little bit there in the circle. Yep. Uh, in the second yep. half, yeah, that I think that's about probably about right. Um, but I mean, it, I don't know how did it how did it feel to to you as you're watching it kind of go? I mean, I know it got to a certain point where it looked like Portsmouth was going to pull away, but I, you know, then they then you guys made a little bit of a comeback. You said yeah, you, you said on Sunday you never felt like you really could get momentum going, and that certainly seemed to be the case too. We got, you know, it felt like every time we we got a little bit of momentum, they were able to answer. And again, it was two teams. I, I think I said this, I got, maybe it was on the podcast last week, where, you know, both teams have a lot of guys who play at high levels, and I didn't think the lights were going to be too bright, and they weren't. Like the star, yeah. the stars came out. I thought for both teams, um, and did a did a great job. Again, I had to coach, and you know we ended up losing. But like from a spectator standpoint, I, I think it was a pretty entertaining game. There were there were a lot of really really pretty offensive plays. Uh, there were some great defensive plays. Um, the faceoff battle was good. Um, there were some big hits. Like it was, I you know again I don't. I, don't like being on the losing side, but like it was, uh, it was a fun game to coach, and um, you know I thought both teams made some really good adjustments throughout, um, and uh, it, it was two teams that you know are are pretty skilled. That um, I thought there was some really good lacrosse being showcased there. I don't know what you saw, but um, that's the way I walked away from it feeling. Well, I thought you know when it got to be you know it was what seven four going into halftime, uh, Portsmouth mm-hmm. on top, and then. It, it, the way both teams kind of started the second half, I, I almost felt like, you know, you, you guys like traded chances, kind of traded traded punches there a little bit, but no one really went for like the knockout. Right. Um, you know, I don't think there was a goal scored for more than like eight minutes. 
and then it was it felt like sudden, yeah it felt like the third yeah. quarter it felt like the third quarter was kind of like a, a stalemate for a long time i want to say they got like two in a row to go up yep. like nine four and then we were able to pop off like two in a row to get it back to like nine six or something like that so and and I, then it kind of yeah i had uh so uh, Zach Amen scored with uh, with six oh two left in the third quarter, made it eight four. Okay. Uh, that started the last. So the last six minutes, actually not even the last six minutes of the half, because the or the, excuse me the quarter, because the last quarter in the goal was scored with one thirty one left. So in that, what is that? Five and a half minutes. Five. Yeah. Uh, it went from a seven four game to a twelve seven game. So yeah. yeah, it got a little crazy. <laughs> I mean, and some of those goals were were you know. From uh, from the four thirty mark to two fifty five, you had five goals scored. Uh, so yeah. it was just it w- it went from being kind of a defensive slog a little bit to a shootout. Uh, well, and I think what I you know, and again, not not uh, you know, I can only speak for for my guys on my sideline, but I I think you had two teams playing so hard in that first <laughs> six minutes of the third quarter to try and establish something on defense that all of a sudden, you know, whether it was mentally or physically things broke down a little bit and you saw, you know, it's it, for the, the offense when, when the defense gets tired, it's, it's easier for the offense to score, obviously. And, and I think you saw a little bit of that um, happen out there, you know, guys, guys were able to get free and get their hands free and, and get really good shots off. And um, you know, it, it definitely made for an entertaining uh, five minutes there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it felt kind of like, you know, you guys got it to, to 12, eight there in that fourth quarter. And then I think, what you were talking about with the momentum hit, you know, they, they did win the face off after off that, but turned it over. So you guys got the ball back. I'm not, I don't remember exactly what happened on that possession, but um, they were able to get it back and go down and score two we, more goals. I quick. think I want to say we, we tried to run. Uh, I think we shot it out of bounds. We tried to run an inbounds play. And I think we ended up throwing it away and give it back to them. And I, I do remember feeling at that point, like, man, we really needed one there to kind of keep things going. And um, yeah, that kind of, you know, towards the end there when it was, when it was 12, eight, you know, going into the fourth quarter, you know, I knew it was going to be a tall task for our guys to try and overcome, uh, you know, four goals in, in the, in the last quarter there. And, you know, they, they, they were, they were exhausted, but I will give, you know, I, I loved my guys all season and they never gave up. Um, and we played hard all the way to the end. So I, I will say in the last couple of minutes when we knew, you know, the game was out of reach. Um, we, we did call off the dogs a little bit because, you know, again, we don't want to see anybody get hurt. And, right. um, you know, um, and at that point, you know, it's, that, that's a tough thing to do, too, because you want to be competitive and you want to try and play everything out to the end. But at the same time, you know, I've been in a situation, too, like that, where, where you know it's done and um, you, you've done your best and you, you hold your head high at that point. Um, yeah, but, I, th- I think yeah. both teams did a pretty good job of that because you guys scored with like three minutes left to get it to sixteen ten, and then it fe- and then you're right, your guys kind of backed off. Portsmouth kind of just settled to to pass the ball around. Yeah, um, you know, so yeah, that was that was good to see that neither neither side kind of you know had any shenanigans going on late there to try to stick it to the other sides. That, that's the other thing that I, I like about your matchups too is is there's you know, it's a, it's it's always a good competitive game, but no one takes it too far uh, when you guys play, and I, I like that. Uh, you know, um, you, you hate well, to I see that happen. Kids, I think the kids and the coaching staff have a, have a mutual respect for each other, and um, you know, it's it was uh, it, again, it's a fun it's a fun game. Nobody wants to come out on the losing side, um, but in the end, 
you know, you, you hope that uh, you just want to compete as, as well as you can and, and, and live to compete another day. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and oh. you, you know, this game and, and this probably goes for all three games, um, really balanced scoring for everyone. Um, yeah. You know, I, you, that was another thing I took away from the game too, that neither side, it wasn't, you know, there were, there were a lot of, a lot of kids who hit the box score for both Derry field and, and Portsmouth in this game. I mean, Keegan Delisle had four goals and an assist for, for Portsmouth. Uh, Michael Near, Mike O'Neill and Dom Mulderry each had three. Um, you had Keegan Myers and, and, and Zach Amen with, with a pair each. Um, and then uh, Nick Smith and, and Dylan Rolfs with one each. And then your guys, you know, Tate Flint with three and one. And then uh, Alex Murray and, and Quinn Silvio, two and two each. And then you got, you know, RJ, Chili Cabot uh, had a goal. Uh, RJ Pru and, uh, and John Kramer all with a goal. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, really, like just. I, I and and that I feel like that's been kind of, was kind of a theme this season, not just for for you know maybe Division Two or this game. Or I, I feel like there weren't a lot of you know big games where where one guy stepped up and had like seven goals or you know something like that. Like a lot of the really good offenses this year, and I guess maybe this is a little cliche, but a lot of the good offenses this year were very well balanced. Well, and I think that's what I, I'd be honest with you. I think that's what made it so difficult for for us to to uh, identify the offensive player of the year. Don Maldary did end up winning it for for Portsmouth and and deserving deservingly so. He had a, he had a great season um, for Portsmouth, but um, you know I, I I think that's exactly why um, you know there was a little bit of difficulty. Is like so many teams had a lot of weapons, and it made it difficult for you know one team or the other to kind of stop each other because. You know, as we've talked about, when you're able to, you know, take away one or two guys it makes it easy. But, you know, when there's so many different options there, you got to really have a, a complete defensive package in order to in order to shut teams down. Right. Any uh, any final thoughts on that game? Um, no, just a really, really entertaining, uh, entertaining game to be a part of, you know, from my from my standpoint, uh, you know, again, hats off to, to Portsmouth and, and their kids there and, and the game that they played. Um, thought again, thought they played a really, really, and they had a great season. I mean, you know, you, you lost the Exeter by one goal. Um, yeah. you know, you were arguably, you were deserving of that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, Joe, are we going to talk about the, the final coaches poll oh, during this podcast? Yeah, yeah, we probably should at some point, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but well, definitely you know, deserving of their top three ranking throughout the entire season there. Yeah. Um, you know, ran through division two. Uh, was pretty dominant and and uh, you know nearly knocked off uh, the the second best team in Division One. Yeah, I mean just looking back on that game, um, you know I think what that game and in this game, uh, only two times that Portsmouth gave up double digits all year in goals, uh, and that was ten uh, in both cases. Um, I mean just that kind of work defensively that and then just that game too that Exeter game the only time that they scored less than double digits. Um, just a really uh, complete team, it felt like, uh, and then from start to finish. And you're right, took took the uh, the third spot in the final coaches poll. They really held that uh, from from that week, uh, the week after that Exeter game on, um, had that spot. Uh, speaking of Exeter, of course, they were in the uh, the D1 championship game, uh, and they uh, they come up short in that one, 11-6 to uh, to BG. In um, you know, a game that 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 second half, I I, um, you know, it was a it was an interesting game in that it felt like it was over really quick. Um, in terms of of timing, not necessarily that all it got out of hand. Um, 
but it just felt like that the possessions were so long on both sides that time just kept moving really fast. And I don't know if that, I don't know how, you know, if you were, you stayed for much of that game, um, but but did you notice that at all in, in looking back on that one? I, I did. I remember I, I it, it felt like the game, you're right. It was a, it was a well-played game. Uh, the ball, the ball stayed in play an awful lot. And yeah, it seemed to move by really quickly. I mean, it was, it was, a you know, I, looking back on it in my mind, it was a one, one game early, but it really wasn't. It was midway through the first quarter that Exeter scored its goal to make it one, one, um, you know, and then BG answered that with a three oh one a three oh run to take a four one lead, uh, and led five two at the end of the first quarter. And I think at that point, you know, maybe there were a lot of people looking at that and like, no, oh, okay, um, this is kind of what I expected. They're just gonna maybe right. continue to add on and, and that turned out to not be the case. Uh you know, they had the three goal lead for most of that second quarter as each team kind of traded goals. But then late in the half, um, you know, instead of holding for the last shot, you know, BG takes a shot. They lose possession. They get called for a penalty. Uh, Exeter goes man up and scores with, with just under four seconds left in the half, and it's all of a sudden it's 7-5 going into halftime. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it, it, it was a well-played. You know, Exeter, Exeter played really well. Um, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me that they were able to play as well as they did with with Drunzik not usually not having his you know usual game that that he that he's that we come to know him to have throughout the season. Yeah, I was. Um, it's stunning to just look at his final line. I mean, he had no goals and 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 one assist in that game, and really in the second half they couldn't even get him the ball. Um, you know, there. Do was you remember a, who was guarding him? So the, so Nick, Nick Dahl had him for most of like as kind of the main assignment, but they were from what uh, Coach Cameron and what Dahl had said afterwards was they weren't afraid to to switch if they had to. So it was yeah. mostly Dahl. There was one stretch uh, in the third quarter where uh, where Brady Dumont had had to take him um, on kind of a, uh, a uh, they get caught in transition, um, and I guess you know in a, in a previous game Dumont had in, you know he's an attackman. So he's right. staying on one side of the field, but you know, if he's coach Cameron had told him, if you're the closest guy go, you know, so he ends up going and, uh, ends up face guarding Drunzik for about, I don't know, it was like two or three minutes just, and the two of them just stood behind the goal with, with Dumont, you know, right up in his face for that whole possession it was basically five on five. Uh, yeah. and it was just, it was a crazy, crazy situation. Uh, and, and that I felt like, or excuse me, right after that, it felt like Exeter had its best chance to get back in the game. Uh, BG had gone up eight, five early in the third quarter. Uh, and then all of a sudden they just, they couldn't clear the ball. And, uh, you know, Exeter had some, some unsettled opportunities and Zach Connerty came up with a couple of really big saves back to back to back that, you know, kept it a, a an eight, five lead. And then after the last one, uh, BG goes down, finally clears it, and gets a uh, a goal from Dumont to go up nine five. If you had told me du- that a Dumont was covering uh, covering <laughs> Drunzik through there, I would have I would have guessed Alex, but uh, that's uh, that's pretty good, man. Brady, so Brady earned uh, Brady earned that championship there, <laughs> scoring <laughs> and playing defense in the game. And that was kind of the the stretch that that I think BG kind of finished it off. Was that that late goal by Dumont in the third? And then uh, Connor Gabord gets a, a goal uh, early in the third quarter. It makes it 10-5. Uh, 
rip the uh, net down. Right. Rip, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I took the net. I didn't even notice that. I, I, I saw the highlights of it. But, again, one of those ones where I'm there, and uh, I didn't even see it happen. I mean, I saw the goal. There was something. There, there was something going on with that net throughout throughout the throughout the whole weekend or throughout the whole championship there. But that that was an absolute just blast by Connor there. I mean, if you haven't if, if you haven't had a chance to see it, it's all over social media. Uh, check it out. I mean, he he absolutely tattooed the back of that net. Um, so that was that was a big that was a big momentum goal right there. Fortunate that um, the ball kind of hit lower and went down, and not that it ripped through, straight through and kept going, and maybe looked like it you know went over the net. Yeah, I mean, he went crossbar. He went crossbar down, caught the inside, caught the inside of the top of the net there, and, and ripped it. Um, I I think you still would have been able to tell yeah, had it yeah. gone through the net. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was a beautiful shot. Uh, I remember seeing uh, this is going back a couple of years during indoor uh, on the same same Sunday of indoor. Uh, Sean Cameron and Colby Quiet both do that on the same net uh, at the Sportsplex. Just put a put a ball through a hole at the top corner. Uh, one of them was called a goal, and the other one was not. So, uh, but that was a I was one of those. It's like wow, I'll never see that happen again. The first time it happened, and then I. <laughs> An hour or so later, it happened again. Um, but, you know, the, to finish off this game, um, you know, BG, they, they took a timeout. They got the ball back uh, from Exeter with about six minutes left, took a timeout then, and they just killed off the clock from there. Um, you know, Exeter was had been kind of playing back in a zone to that point and, you know, had started to try to come out. BG was seemed content to just, you know, throw the ball around, run around with the ball, um, you know, they had to keep it in for most of that. Uh, I want to say maybe four, the last four of those minutes. Uh, yeah, you know, and they did and, a really, they did a really good job. They had a really good kill at the end of the game there. I mean, within the, within the rules of the game right now, you know, there is no shot clock. If you don't have that as part of your, as part of your offensive, uh, you know, arsenal and package at the end of games, then, um, you know, you, you're not doing, you're not doing your job. You've got it. You've got to have that there. Um, you know, over the weekend, I saw um, Staples uh, down in Connecticut. They got up. They got up huge in their championship game. They started a stall in the second quarter. They were up <laughs> like they were up eight to one, I want to say. And um, you know, there was a big uproar on Twitter. And you know, what isn't a big uproar on Twitter, right? Oh but, yeah. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, people are cowardly lacrosse. Cowardly. It's like, well, I. I don't know what to tell you. Like they were up eight to one on a really good opponent and you know, they were playing within the rules of the game and you know, you're playing for a championship. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's smart. It, it's just high IQ, smart lacrosse. Um, and yeah, it's not from a fan standpoint, it's not the most exciting to watch, but um, you know, until we get our acts together and get a shot clock, there's not much you're going to do about it. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, I would say it's the same in basketball too. I mean, you can get up, you can get upset with, with the team that's ahead. Um, yeah. but, but there's two teams out there. Um, and you know, it takes two to be, to be in that situation. I mean, if, if you and press out and play good yeah, defense, yeah, exactly. You know? Um, you know, again, in this game, you had more, more balanced scoring. I had seven, you know, seven different guys from BG with goals. Uh, Gabord had three, um, Brady Dumont two and one, and then, um, Connor Bouvier with two. Uh, and then you look on, on Exeter's side and, uh, a guy we gotta, gotta mention cause Coach uh, Matt Brewster was, was thought he played a tremendous game. He did play a tremendous game in the final. Was uh, Matt Denman uh, led Exeter with three goals, um, you know, and, and was a big uh, was big on both sides of the field. Um, great way to go out. Great yeah. way to go out as a senior. Yeah, you 
And uh, and and what was really great to see afterwards too. We mentioned uh, Aiden Drunzik uh, going scoreless in this game. Uh, you know, after the game, and I, and I caught this a little bit on the highlight video that that we had posted. Um, you know, you saw uh, Nick Dahl go over to him at the end of the game, and and of course the two, you know, played together for for Tomahawks and and are, are pretty good friends, and just kind of uh, you know exchange a hug and and kind of a, a moment there to just kind of say nice game to each other and 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 you know Dahl talked about it after the game said you know hey I just wanted to go remind him how great he is and and that he's going to have a great four uh four great years at, at UMass Amherst which that's is, a really is, yeah. that's a really nice moment that's a really cool yeah. thing yeah um yeah so and, and this is you know this was an, an interesting uh thing that, that I noticed afterwards too uh not not on the field but just looking over the last two seasons you look at it what Exeter's done um you know, and and they've they were uh, nineteen and and or yeah nineteen and two this year. Uh, those only two losses came against BG. You look at last year; they lost three games. All of those were against BG. So in the last two years, five losses for Exeter, all at the hands of uh, of Bishop Girton. So that's. that's uh, it's an incredible run. It's an incredible run. It's on one hand, it's got to be a little bit frustrating too, but um, you know, to see where uh, you know Coach Holly and now Coach Brewster has gotten the program, it's in really good shape. Um, you know, the the town and youth program are in good shape, and um, you know they are losing a, a very talented senior class this year, but they lost a talented senior class last year. So, you know, again, I, we'll dive into it more in the in the way too early look ahead, but um, you know, it's it's a program that's in good shape right now. Yeah, this is definitely uh, like like you said. They lose great seniors. Um, the difference I think this year is that they, that you saw a lot of underclassmen um, out on the field there who are going to be back next year um, and and who are going to be pretty. I would imagine pretty hungry to uh, to maybe turn the tables on the on on this. Well, um, you know, we've had, uh, so we had three, we had three really good games. We had three really good championship games there entertaining. Uh, the weather held out for us. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, yeah. they, we they out. ran a, uh, they ran a good show there. Things, things were on time. Um, you know, anything, any, any other, any other takeaways from, from the three games that, uh, that you saw while you were there? I mean, I, I, unfortunately, you know, I was, I was sort of taking care of my guys. I didn't get to watch as much as I would have, would have liked to. Um, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm happy that I, I didn't get a chance to watch <laughs> yeah, as yeah. much as I uh, wanted to. Um, the, the one thing I will say, and, and this is, uh, I thought, I thought overall the officiating on the day was great. I, it was, it was the, all three games were well officiated. Um, the only thing I, I was a little disappointed in, and maybe this is just the direction that the game is going. I'm not, I'm certainly not one of those you know, Neanderthal types that, that feels like you need to knock everybody out every single time they have the ball. But there were a couple of those unnecessary roughness calls that I just looked at and I was, I, I didn't, I mean, is that, is that something that has completely been taken out of the game? Like you're, you're, you're just really not supposed to knock a guy over or is. I think it's tough. I think it's really tough that we've, we've, uh, the way, the way the game has gone, we've put officials in a really tough place where anytime there's a big hit, you know, uh, there's an awful lot of emphasis placed on safety, uh, and rightfully so within the game. Um, but I, I will agree with, you know, I, I thought overall the officials for the weekend and for those yeah. games, um, did, did it, it wasn't like the games were decided because of, uh, their officiating. I mean, I think there were some there were some calls that you know were that could have gone either way and maybe you're like yeah man 
you know, but overall, um, I, I, I would say they did a good job of staying out of the game, you know, and that's what officials are supposed to do in, in big games like that. You let the game speak for themselves and you, you hopefully allow the play on the field to, to dictate it and not, not have it be decided because of penalties. Yeah. I definitely don't think that the, I, I, like I said, I thought the officiating was very good, um, for the weekend or for the day. Uh, I just, there were a couple of those, those calls that I just, um, yeah, I, 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 I wondered if, if that's going to, if that's a call, then is there no contact really allowed? I don't, I don't, but yeah, overall I thought it was a well-officiated three games and, and really this season, like there were, you know, there were a couple of times where, you know, I, I had some questions on some things, but for the most part, I felt like officials were pretty good this year. No, and and I'm I'm glad I'm glad you saw that, Joe, because we, you know, it's again we we've talked about this before. We have to do our part to kind of take care of our officials because we were as a state, we're a small state. Uh, COVID hit a lot of our uh, a lot of our officials retired. They're getting older, and um, you know there aren't there isn't a lot of new blood coming in, and we can't scare off the guys that are coming in. So, <laughs> um, you know, we've got to do the best we can to try and work through those games. I I tell my guys all the time that. You know, we can't control who we get. All we can do is control how we react to the uh, to the calls that are made. We have to change our we have to change our um, our style of play based on based on how the ref is ref in the game. We're not going to be able to change his opinion, so we have to be responsive to that. And hopefully, more teams, you know, buy into that. You know, um, otherwise, just a great overall day. Uh, I'm glad that um, that all three games were back in in the same spot again after uh, you know a couple of years. Obviously, no games in 2020, but we, you know, we got away from that last year uh, again because of COVID. Um, and like you said, the weather was fantastic. I, I thought I was, I was worried I was going to be standing outside, you know, in the rain all day, having to worry about how to keep, you know, all my stuff dry. Uh, and it turned out to be a perfect day. Um, you know, it was a little warm, uh, got a little hot there at times during the first game, but I think after that, you know, the a little more cloud cover. Um, you know, there was a nice breeze at times, kept it, things kind of cool. But, yeah, just a, a, a gorgeous spring day for, for these last yeah. games. You know, I think, you know, to kind of wrap up your thought there, um, you know, I think it is a really nice thing to have all, especially for the for the media side of it, to have all the um, the games played at one location. I know some people, uh, there's grumblings, you know, why does, why does Exeter get a home game in the semifinal and in the championship? Um, you know, I can tell you from, from – you know, sources that I know, it's it's difficult to get the colleges. Like, it'd be great to play it at at SNHU or St. A's, or you know, I, I I would I don't know that UNH is the best venue for lacrosse, um, just given its location and and not really being centralized. It's a bigger stadium. I think it works well for football, um, but the problem is, you know, at the time of year where we're trying to hold these championships, most of the colleges are done and they don't have personnel there, and they're really hesitant to run events. And you might get it one year and then all of a sudden they may pivot on it. And I think, you know, the, the nice part about having it at Exeter every year is that you can depend on it. Right. You know, it's going to happen. You know, all three teams are going to be there. Um, I'd love to see us move to a model to possibly where, you know, OK, let's look at all the venues that can that might have home field. Right. So you've got we know Bedford can host. We know Stellos can host. Exeter can host. A Pickerton host. And maybe you do maybe you do a rotation, right? And in some years, yeah. it's going to be random. You know, Pinkerton's hosting. And, hey, you know what? Pinkerton was really good, and they made the finals. 
you know, it's at Stelos and Hey, you know what? BG is really good. And, and there's a, you know, they're going to get, it's, it's going to be home field for them. You know, that might be a solution to kind of, uh, some of the, the grumblings about the unfairness of, of where the championships are held. But I, I think regardless, and I think you'll, you agree with this, that it, it, it really is nice having all three games played in one location. Yeah. I, I, I like that idea of, of rotating. Um, I had not thought of that before, um, but that's, I would be on board with that. Um, you know, rotating between a couple of locations every year. Uh, but absolutely. I'm, I want to, my whole, you know, let me, let me try that again. Um, I'm trying to report on these games. I'm trying to, to, to give my opinions and, and, and give the facts and share highlights and photos and all this other stuff from these games. And, um, you know, if, if they're, they're going on in different locations at the same time, I can't do that, uh, which is incredibly frustrating. So yeah, whenever I remember when we were, yeah, I was just gonna say, I remember when we were back in division three, when the first time we were in the title game and, and we were lucky enough to win back in 2010, there was hardly any coverage there because the D1, uh, I yep. believe, are the. There was another. There was something else going on at the same time, and I, and we, I, or I may be confusing it with 2013. One of the one of the times when we were in Division Three, there was another. There was another event happening, and there there really it, it really pulled the media in two different places. And of course, you know, in Division Three, it's it's Division Three, and right. and so we didn't get the coverage um, that you know it would have been nice to have the kids get. Um, for being able to play in a championship. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, back, you know, before 20, they didn't start doing this until 2015 with the, the yep. three games together. So prior, prior to that, when Bedford, the Bedford boys won their three championships in a row, uh, I, of course, worked at the Telegraph, you know, one of our weekly papers, the Bedford Journal. We covered Bedford sports for that. Uh, in those three years, I did not see a single Bedford playoff game uh, in the semis or the finals. Because the boys' final, D2 final, was at the same time as the girls' D1 final, which I know I think Sauhegan, or you know, one and two, I think, used to get played at SNU on the same night. So it was like Sauhegan yes. was in the one final, you know, Merrimack or somebody else was in the D2 final. So that's usually where I was, and someone else was, you know, going over to bed, for, you know, cover the game. Uh, I think it was usually at, at Exeter, um, if, uh, you know, early on. Um, so yeah, I never saw Bedford's any of Bedford's championships because that the games were in different places at the same time. Yeah, um, which is you know well, a boohoo for me, but it's frustrating. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully it'll continue that we can yeah. we can have it at the same venue, and maybe we have to just get creative on on where those where those are held um, going forward there to kind of rotate them a little bit. But again, uh, Billy Ball does a great job, and Exeter does a great job over there hosting the event, and it's. Uh, you know, it, it was a well well run show. So if, if nothing changes, it'll still be it'll still be good next year. Absolutely. All right, real quick, do you want to um, run? Th- oh, sorry, you would. I yeah, I want. I think you had the same thought I did. I, w- I was thinking we'd kind of wrap things up with a with a final poll here. Yeah, uh, final coaches poll. Out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so this came out uh, on Tuesday. Uh, the final boys lacrosse coaches poll. You of course you had better or <laughs> you had Bishop Girton uh, coming in at number one. Uh, wire held, to wire, wire to wire, wire to wire. The last two years, so from the first poll of 2021, they've been uh, the number one team, and I'm pretty sure the unanimous number one team, except for one week this year where they lost, uh, and Exeter won um, going into their matchup uh, back in early May. So, uh, you know, BG that number one spot all year. Exeter at number two. You had Portsmouth at number three. 
Pinkerton, and this was pretty close. Pinkerton at four, Dairyfield at five. Just four points uh, separating Ooh. the two. So, yeah, that right, was I'll uh, take that. that was a I'll pretty close that. one. This was an interesting one, too. At number six, you had Londonderry. And I would say of the, the ballots that came in, I got to say 80% of them had Londonderry at number six. And that was pretty much outside of BG Exeter. That was pretty much the only thing everybody agreed on. Hmm. Uh, and then you had Nashua South, number seven. Wyndham coming in at number eight. Timberlane, number nine. And then jumping into the poll for the first time this year, you had D- D3 champion Laconia at number 10. I almost had I almost had that exact I almost had that exact poll. That's so that's that's pretty good. <laughs> you are you are it's a mind meld there with uh with all of these coaches. <laughs> um I don't know, any other any other final thoughts? Um you know, actually there was one thing. I don't know how much you know about this, but I had a you know, with again with all the media uh congregating in, in Exeter, uh not just for the boys finals on Sunday, but I feel like you know, I, I feel like I was out there about four or five times in the last 10 days, uh, which, which I probably was. Uh, but had it, you know, this is the other fun thing about having these kind of big events is, is they're kind of like, you know, end of the season parties for us media folks. You know, we get to, to chat with people we maybe haven't seen in a, in a few weeks or a couple of months or, or whatever. Uh, but I was, you know, discussing with some of the Seacoast media guys uh, what's going on with Maine lacrosse. And uh, mm. it sounds like it's a mess. Um you know, I was I saw a score from a semifinal game today, a girls game that on Twitter that was midway through the first half and it was a ten to one game in the semifinals. Uh, that doesn't I don't, happen too often. No, no, and and I feel like from what I was hearing that has been happening a lot because Maine did something with their lacrosse format this year that just matched up teams that you know were clearly one team was clearly way better I, I don't know exactly how it worked but it sounded like it was a mess it sounded like there were you know really uncompetitive games in the playoffs and uh just kind of made me want to say as much as as we're frustrated sometimes with uh with certain aspects of our uh, our format here in new Hampshire, or at least i am uh it could be worse it could be worse it's not a perfect system and i think there's things we could do but uh i still think we got some pretty good we got some pretty good matchups and clearly uh you know as much as we thought there were going to be upsets the chalk held and so <laughs> it couldn't it, it, it couldn't be that bad the i guess the uh the expected was the unexpected in the playoffs yes <laughs> all right well i think uh i think that'll just about wrap us up for this week uh, unless you had any other any other things to throw out there Nope. Looking forward to right. looking forward to the final podcast of the year. We'll do a little look ahead and uh, you know maybe some prognostication. Of Absolutely. Things to come. Uh, yeah. So if anyone has any uh, any you know news uh, newsworthy items or anything they'd like to throw out to us uh, that we can talk about for next week that we didn't talk about, uh, feel free to to reach out. And let us know. Uh, we'll have. I'm sure we'll both have a couple things that uh, you know got overlooked during the year that we'll we'll throw out there. And um, and like you said, look ahead to next year. I'm I'm I, I'm already working on that. That's uh, that's that's usually a fun. I feel like that's usually a fun podcast and fun stories to put together. We'll be good. We'll be looking forward to it. All right. He is uh, Dairy Field Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetler. I'm Joe Marchalina. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.